So glad to see you. I want to say welcome to everyone that's joining us online. I just noticed that our online um, attendance is growing as well. People are watching us uh, um, maybe far away, so we're so glad that you could be here. But I'm so glad that you're here in person and that you could, you know, it's all about community, right? Sometimes it's difficult to have community online, but you, when you come in, you can connect. And it's all about Jesus. It's all about community. And it's all about his mission. Amen? Amen. Just preach another message right there. Well, we're into, uh, I'm so glad that you're here. Um, we're well into a series, into a new series. Uh, let's pray before we continue. Thank you, Father. <clears throat> I just, God, you're so amazing. We sang that song, Amazing Grace. So, so incredible and amazing. We thank you for your amazing presence here. Holy Spirit, we invite you here. You are more than welcome here. We, do, we don't want you just to visit us. You want, we want you to inhabit us, to be in this place. Make this word come alive, Holy Spirit. Make it a rhema word, a double-edged sword. Make it come alive. Give us the ability to hear it, to believe it, and to put it into practice today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> All right, we're into this series, a new series. Dave preached well on it last week. It's called Strengthen. Just one word, Strengthen. And I think I could take that word and I could put it into every area of my life on the screen. For example, I can strengthen my faith. God wants my faith to be strengthened. I need to be, have a strength that even in my faith that believes God for the impossible. A seed of faith that grows so big that has the ability to move mountains. That's what Jesus said. If you have faith, as small as a mustard seed, I can strengthen my mind, strengthen my mind, renew my mind, change the way I think, enlarge my thinking from a small thinking attitude to, a positive, to more of a positive mindset. Strengthen my health. Health is important. I want to get my heart pumping again. I want to, uh, I need to get back to my cardio workouts, you know, and walking up those stairs and, and doing, you know, it's because it's so important. We are body, soul, and spirit. And what, and, and what does the Bible say? Paul said, for physical training is of some value, right? Because we are holistic people. We're made of that God, three parts, body, soul, and spirit. What affects us? spiritually or physically will eventually affect us spiritually and emotionally. So it's important. Strengthen my health. Strengthen my family. I believe we're coming into a new season where we need to pour into our children and our grandchildren. Amen? <clears throat> Strengthen my marriage. You know, um, a good family, a strong, healthy family starts with a healthy marriage. So that's what we want to do. Strengthen my finances. I want to get out of debt. I want to be able to give more generously than I last than I did, you know, last week or even last year. You know, I want to I want to see miracles in my finances. Are you there too as well? <clears throat> I want to strengthen my friendships. I want to strengthen the partnerships that God is bringing me into as a pastor. Even this year, I just sense partnerships. Friendships are something that I need to cherish and, 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 and strengthen in my life. You know, and, and, and here's one more, strengthen our church. <clears throat> Not just my church, your church. I, you know, I want to see 
the, the church enlarged. I want to enlarge it. I want to lengthen it. And I want to strengthen it. That word strengthen. Webster's definition, to grow firm or strong. But here, listen, the original Hebrew meaning in the Hebrew language, to strengthen meant to do this, to become mighty and powerful. To become mighty and powerful. Now, this whole uh, theme of strengthen uh, is based on this on these scriptures from Isaiah chapter 54, particularly verses 2 and 3. But we're going to start at verse 1 on the screen. Isaiah 54, verse 1. Now, he says, single barren woman. Who's he singing to? Just who, who is God speaking to? Not just a single person. He's speaking to the nation of Israel, God's people. And he's saying to them, sing, O barren woman, you who have not born a child. Break forth into singing. Cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. And then he says, are you ready? Verse 2, enlarge the place of your tent. Then stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left. Your, your, and your descendants will inherit the nations, the nations, and make the desolate cities inhabited. Now, the whole context of, 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 of this scripture is God speaking to Israel, his people, who were in a place of exile in a place called Babylon, expelled, taken out of the promised land, taken captive by a hostile people into a foreign land, a godless land. Now, there are two ways that we can describe the place that these people, God's people, are in. Number one, first word, barrenness. Barrenness. In those days, it was a shame. It was a humiliation. It was a disgrace. If you were not, if you were not able to conceive and bring forth a child, it was a disgrace for them to not grow and to multiply their families. They remained very small in that place because they were captive. And because they were not able to grow and to multiply, they were looked down upon and they were despised. The second word that describes the place that they were in is this word exile. They were in a place of exile. Israel was not in the place they were supposed to be. They were, had been expelled out of the promised land, and there's a reason for it. They started to turn away from God. They started to look at the idols in the land. They started to go after the material things, and they started to forget about God. And they started to literally get into sin, and then what happened? God let, their, let them be taken captive. But here is Israel. They're not supposed to be there. They're supposed to be in the promised land. But now, they're in a place where they're no longer growing. And they, they, they were now small. And they felt weak and useless and insignificant. No longer living in the promises of God. Maybe you have felt this way too. Maybe you have felt, maybe in a time of your life, maybe you feel right now, you're out of, out of source. You're out of that place. You're uninvolved. 
You're in a place, you're, you know, you're in a place of, being, of, of being barren and a place of exile. Without a home. Without a purpose. And God speaks four words to you. If you're in that place, four words. Enlarge. Stretch. Lengthen. And strengthen. Question. On your question. What are you believing God for? What are you believing God for? What are you asking God for right now in your life? Next point. I want to tell you this. Here's a revelation. God is not offended. God is not offended when we ask Him to do things for us. He's not offended. Some people are actually afraid to ask God for something. Well, it's too trivial. It's too selfish. It's, it's greedy. Well, I've got more than most people to have anyway, so I'll just handle this by myself. Listen, God does not want you to feel that way. God does not want you to feel that way. We, listen, I believe this. We underestimate the goodness of God. We underestimate His goodness. I want you to listen to this great quote by a great historical figure. His name is Dwight, Dwight L. Moody. Here's what Moody said. God is not bothered by our constant coming and asking. The way to trouble God is to not come at all. Isn't that great? And that should convict most of us. God is not bothered by us coming. The way to trouble God is to not come at all, right? And as Christ followers, we don't want to be a people who bother God. You don't want to be a man who bothers God. You don't want to be a woman who bothers God. And listen, and you're either one or the other, right? Some of us got that. It's clear to God. It should be clear to you. God never makes mistakes. Amen? As Christ fathers, we don't want to bother God. We want to be responsive. We want to come boldly to the throne of God. We want to come... Sorry, I just spit there. We want to come consistently, right? We want to come because nothing is too small for God and nothing is too big for us, for us to ask of God. Do you agree with that? One of the greatest prayers ever written in the Bible was a prayer by a guy, by a guy named Jabez. Jabez. Some of us are familiar. You know, and, and Jabez, if you, if, if you go and, and, you, and you look at you first look and read the prayers that Jabez prayed, you know what you would think? They're selfish. They're, they're self-centered prayer. Because, he, because this is the way his prayer went. This is the way his prayer went. Oh God, <clears throat> bless me and bless me indeed. <clears throat> Enlarge my territory. Yeah, I know, I know, I've got two acres, but God, I want four more. God, put your hand upon me. Keep me from all harm. Make my life, my life pain-free. What a prayer. Now, let me say this. Now, if you have, if you come from a religious mindset, a conservative mindset, a fear-filled mindset, mindset, 
You know what you'd be thinking? You'd be, this is what you'd be thinking. Oh, my God. O-M-G. i got to stand back from him because there's going to be a lightning bolt from heaven, and it's going to fry him. You would think that until you read the very last line, which says what? And God, what? What did he do? Granted his request. Wow. First Chronicles 4 verse 9. Jabez, Jabed was more honorable when his bro- than his brothers. You know what? You know what? You know why that he says that's written there? Why he was more honorable? Because he sought after God. He didn't remain in the place that the world and all the circumstances of life had plugged him into, right? He had the odd. Anyway, he was more honorable. He honored God because he went after God. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the, cried out to the God of, heaven, of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God re- granted his request. Listen, we serve a good, good God. A God who loves us. A God who cares for us. Amen? You think about Jabez here? There's not a lot written about Jabez. But we do know and understand that at this point, when he prayed this prayer, he had nothing going for him. He was one of those exiles who had just come out of Babylon. He was one of those guys. And he literally had no inheritance He had no wealth, no outside help, just a miserable history of pain and sorrow. Literally, he had nothing except this. He had enough faith to pray and ask God for an answer. Amen? He was like that great missionary, William Carey. William Carey said this, Expect great things from God. And attempt great things for God. That's what, and Jesus, what did Jesus say? Everything is possible for him who believes. Everything is possible for him who believes. Without faith, the Bible says it is impossible to please God. God gives every single person a measure of faith. You just got to put it into practice. Faith is not feelings. Faith is also action. Amen? The name Jebus means pain and trouble. Pain and trouble. His mom labeled him with that name the day that he was born. Thank God my mom never called me that. (laughs) Right? Imagine all your life, you know, Somebody, you know, you walk into this room, and then somebody, you hear somebody say, "Oh, here comes that, here comes trouble, here comes trouble, here comes that pain in the." (laughs) Jabez' mom labeled him that way because she gave birth to him in pain, but Jabez refused to let that name define him. Instead of looking back at his past, he looked forward, he turned to God, and he prayed, Oh, that you would bless me. Oh, that you would expand my territory. 
Oh, that your hand would be upon me. Oh, that you would keep me from harm. Oh, that you would free me from my pain. Right? And God granted his request. Listen, you and I, we got to, got to, got to know that God wants to provide for you, for us. He wants to provide for you. You've got to know that God wants to pour out his blessings into your life, into your family, into your businesses. He wants to do that. So here's the question again. What are you asking for? What are you believing God for? Amen? When Jabez prayed, enlarge my territory, he was saying, Lord, I want more than what I've got, and I'm asking you for it. His prayer, definitely, we understand, it was a desperate prayer because he had nowhere else to turn to, but it was more than just desperate. It was audacious, and it was ambitious. Romans chapter 9, verse 3. It's an interesting verse. And Paul says it. And it says, Paul said, just as it is written, Jacob I loved, and Esau I hated. Jacob I loved, and he's saying, God is, God, and he's quoting a scripture out of the Old Testament. Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. Now you, you hear that scripture, you think, whoa, is that right? I mean, does God actually hate someone? I mean, I thought God loved everyone. Why? It's not. Listen, he, Paul's not saying that God hated a person, but he hated the attitude that person had. Esau had an attitude of disregard for the things of God, the, the, the rights, as the, first, the, the privileges and blessings as be, of, uh, as, of being a firstborn son, the blessings of God. Esau disregarded them. And so, God is saying, I hate that attitude. But then he says, I love Jacob. Now, what does the word, what does the, the name Jacob mean? Deceiver. Liar. Right? Deceiver. And, so, and a, a few other words. But you say, well, then how come he says that he loves Jacob? Because he loved the way that Jacob pursued the blessings of God, despite all the negative things he was going to. Remember that story? Genesis, I can't remember. Genesis, in Genesis, where he, uh, where he's running from his uncle Laban, he falls asleep, puts his head on the rock, has has an no, he fall, no, he has an encounter. That's a different. He has an encounter of God. He has an encounter of God, and this angel, he wrestles with what is called an epiphany. This angel could have been the Lord Himself, right? And he's wrestling with God. And what does he say? What does he say to the to the to the Lord to the angel? I will not let go until you bless me. He says, I cannot live this life without the blessing of God in my life and in my, in my children's lives. Amen? And that should be our attitude too. And just like, Jake, like Jacob, Jabed, Jabed, Jabez had great ambitions and God blessed them. I want to give you three common misconceptions that can keep us from having these great godly ambitions that God wants us to have, keeps us, three things, misconceptions that keep us going after all that God that has for your life. First one, first miscon- misconception, we confuse fear with humility. Fear with humility. We say, oh, I could never do that. Oh, I couldn't do that. And then we think we're being humble when we say that. But you know what? That's not humility. That's fear. That's lack of faith. A truly humble person would say, you know what? 
with God's help, I can do it. I know I can't. Maybe I can't do that myself, but with God's help, I can do it. That's what Paul said. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's real humility, isn't it? Second misconception. We tend to confuse laziness with contentment. Laziness with contentment. Now, I know Paul said in Philippians 4, he said, said, I've learned to be content no matter what the circumstances in my life, right? Paul said that. But that doesn't mean that Paul said that we shouldn't have goals. Paul wasn't saying, I don't have any ambition. I don't have any ambitions or any future plans. Just the opposite. He said, I'm forgetting the past and I'm pressing on to take hold of that which, for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He said, I want everything I can possibly get from what God wants to give me. Amen? And I'm pressing in for those things. Third, we confuse small thinking with spirituality. Small thinking with spirituality. Some people say, well, I serve God in my little way. Well, I would say, well, why don't you serve God in a bigger way? Why don't you let God use you more? Right? Other people say, well, I'm just fine the way I am. That's the way I made you. Excuse me. It's wrong to blame God for your lack of growth when he's provided everything you need to grow. Amen? He saved your soul, redeemed you by his blood. He put his spirit in you, put gifts, talents, and abilities, put his purpose, and he gave you all the promises of God, which are yes and amen through Christ Jesus. Amen? So what are you doing with your life? Bottom line, think bigger. Think bigger. Think bigger or you end up getting in God's way. Amen? David prayed, bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. Now, there are some requirements for anybody. You want, you want God to enlarge your life. You want the blessings of God to flow into your life. You want to be used by God in a more significant way. You want to be large. You want to be expanded. Then there are some, some requirements for anyone desiring to have their territory involved. I'm going to give you just two. Number one, we must reject smallness. We must reject smallness. Enlargement requires us to get out of our small boxes, our small routines, our small thinking, our, our limited view of God. Psalm 78, verse 40 to 42, says, They, the people of God, provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, and again and again they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power. The Israelites continually provoked God's anger and grieved his heart in the wilderness. How did they do that? By limiting him. By limiting what he could do for them and what he could do through them. You know what? We can do the same. We can do the same. We fail to recognize our God-given gifts and to use them. And and, and all these creative endeavors that God wants to put inside of our minds, we can just put them aside. No. Joshua and Caleb. Two incredible men. They stood before the promised land and they saw a place of enlargement, a place of blessing. They couldn't wait to get in there. But the other one and a half, maybe two million others, they looked at that same piece of land. Instead of seeing enlargement and blessing, they saw all the problems. And they were afraid to go in and take it. And they missed their destiny. They stayed in that desert, died in that desert, never got into the promised land. 
and they remain there. This is an example for us, right? Listen to the words written on one tombstone. The words go this way. Died at 40, was buried at 80. Died at 40, was buried at 80. And that could be indicative, you know, that could be representative of many lives, right? And that could be us. If we, if we stop learning, if we stop growing, if you stop expanding your thinking, that can be our fate too as well. We just stop growing. We just sort of stagnate. So, do you want to break out of the box? Do you want to break out? You know how you do that? You do that by developing and using your God-given gifts and seizing the opportunities that God brings your way in your life. And you've got all of them. You've got gifts. You've got abilities. And you've got opportunities that God will bring into your life. What are you going to do about it? Amen? That's how you do it. That's how you break out of the box. God wants you to break out of your box, out of your history, out of your hang-ups, out of your present circumstances, personal limitations. And one of the ways we do that is by constantly exposing yourself to new ideas, to new places, and to new people. New ideas, new places, New people. Say it with me, new. God has for me new places, new people. God has new for me. Second, enlarging your tent means this. Making your room for some new people in your life. People. If you want to be stretched, people. <laughs> People will stretch you, won't they? You know, some people are going to stretch. People have this ability to stretch your nerves, stretch your patience, and even end up stretching your prayer life. And that's good, isn't it? People will stretch you. But listen, if you want more, and if you are tired of an unfulfilled, barren life, and then, then God is saying to you, enlarge, expand, and grow. Amen? You will never see a miracle unless you stretch your faith. Isaiah 52, verse 4. Once again, that scripture says, Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left. Now, as I was preparing this message, I was preparing to preach on this prayer of Jabez. Man, I felt, I felt the Lord strongly impress on on me some words. And these are words that I believe Holy Spirit says, tell them. I believe these are words that God wants me to tell you. You know what those words are? Yet bigger baskets. Because I'm about to enlarge your borders. Get bigger baskets. God wants to take the ministry of this church and take it to another level. But first, before that happens, he's going to take us into the time of teaching, equipping, training, and then into releasing us. The word that I'm constantly hearing, constantly hearing is this. Equip, something else is coming up on my, 
Equip the saints. Equip the saints. Equip the saints. Why? For the work of the ministry. Equip the saints for the work of the... God is saying, and God spoke to me. He said, and he, I know he said, he said, I'm gathering people. I'm gathering people to your house to equip them for the work of the ministry. Are you ready? I'm gathering people for the work of the ministry. But let me put this in, into, the, into the right perspective. And that means that all of us, we have to come to a place of total surrender to God. God wants us to surrender our lives to Him and to come under His authority and to the authority that He's placed over our life. You Listen, we, we all, God has called us to be leaders, all of us to be leaders. Listen, you can't lead over people unless you're under authority. Somebody says you cannot be over unless you're first under, being under. under. And that means humbly, humbly giving your life and your service to advance his kingdom in the city of Lethbridge and in our province and even beyond. God's looking to release the church into the greatest days of her destiny. And that, that means you. I mean, every individual is a minister. You are a minister of God. And God's life, his word, his power can flow through you. On your PowerPoint, God wants our first and he wants our best. But God never wants something from us without giving something back to us. We need to pray into what God is calling us to do this year. Matthew 13, 31. Jesus told another parable. He said, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. The tree is an example of the kingdom of God. It's also an example of our life, of our church, and of our life. We are like trees. And life is like this picture, like an oak tree. The Bible actually calls us that we are called to be oaks of righteousness. You know what the the power of the oak is? It's so strong, so powerful, so strong. But another identifying factor of the oak tree, massive root system. Massive root system. And those oaks can go into, like, years. I've seen oaks in the U.K. that were like, wow, year, like, century old. But the, the more that you expand, the more that you want God to use your life and, and to be used for his glory, the more that your root system has to grow, has to go deeper. You know, and, and I believe it's this, that God, God is saying that we... we we need to go deeper in our relationship with Christ. We've got to go deeper in Him. We've got to have a closer walk with Holy Spirit. And we've got to allow our roots to get down into the bedrock of God's truth, into the Word of God. Word and the Spirit. Word and the Spirit. God is saying, it's all about the Word and it's all about the Spirit. And today, I believe that God is saying, this church, City Light Church, is a church of the Word and of the Spirit, the Word, and of the Spirit. I love that dynamic. 
true worshipers will worship God in word and spirit. Amen? God wants to take our church, the ministry of this church, and I believe he's doing a work in the church of Lethbridge. Period. You know, I, I, and I sense that as I've met. I met with, anyway, I won't go there. <laughs> he wants to take the church to another level. I believe that doors are going to open for us to expand. I believe that our attendance, God is bringing people. Our attendance needs to grow. And I believe that we're going to find ourselves needing to go to two services. Amen? And that's going to stretch us. Stretch us. But let me tell you, God has a place. God has, wants to take us as a people. And he wants, us, wants to expand us. He wants to stretch us. He wants to lengthen he wants to strengthen us, but, and, but we're going to feel the pressure of it. You're going to feel the pressure of God asking you to do things and us asking you to do things. And you're going to feel this sense of pressure. But God is saying, do not spare. Do not hold back. Because what he has for you and that your sense of purpose and significance is going to blow you away. You're going to say, wow, God, I'm so honored and privileged that you used me to do that. Touching people's lives, extending the kingdom of God. Hebrews 10.30, close up with this scripture. But we are certainly not those who are held back by fear and perish. We are among those who have faith and experience true life. Amen? That's that. That PowerPoint again, God wants our first and our best, but God never wants something from us without giving something to us, back to us in return. You were born for such a time as this. You were born for such a time as this. You were born to be equipped, to be trained, to be released as a minister of God in the city and even beyond. Amen? You were born for the thrill of seeing God use you, yes, you, to do his works in the kingdom of God. You agree with that? Then let's give God a praise. Let's give him the praise he receives. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. It's almost like saying, God is almost like, like God is saying, I'm telling you now, people, get ready, you know, because I want to use you. I'm looking for vessels. Make your baskets bigger. Make yourselves, let God use you, right? Prepare you. We're heading into exciting, exciting days. You were born for such a time as this. Do you sense that? God is, God is going to use you. Yeah, you. Yeah, no matter who you are. Just bow our heads for a minute. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your good, th- goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank, Father, I just look at these people here and see the, the, the massive amount of talent, ability, giftings, Lord, hearts that are just sold out to Jesus. And I just see the incredible ability of the multiplication of the works and the ministry of Jesus that can happen just through our local church. I can see, Lord, the glory of God just being released into our city through your people, through the way they love you, the way they connect with you and with each other and the way they serve you 
in, your, in their mission. So thank you for that, Father. God bless this word as we hear it, Lord. Make it grow like a seed, Lord. Make it later lead to ideas and endeavors, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. All for the kingdom of God we pray. In Jesus' name. Today you may be here and you need a life change. Well, that's what Jesus did. He came. He came to change your life. He came to give you a brand new life. You can give up your old life and he'll give you a brand new one. And it's for you today. Maybe you never invited Christ into your heart. Never you, maybe, maybe you never allowed him to this point to literally transform you. This is the day. God says today is a day of salvation. Jesus lived a perfect life. He died a horrible death, and he did it for you. So that you can be clean, you can be free, and that you can be new. And if you haven't received him that, you need to receive him now, right? And you can do that. How, you, how do you receive Christ? Simply saying this very simple prayer I'm going to lead you in, but you say it with all your heart. So if that's you, and you're here, and you're watching online, will you re- repeat after me? Lord Jesus, I believe in you. And I believe that what you did on the cross, you did also for me. Thank you, Jesus, for shedding your blood to pay for all my sins. Thank you that all my sins are forgiven and I'm free. And right now, Lord, I invite you into my heart to be Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.